Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. So grateful to share with you all. If you have your Bibles, if you would open with us to, can y'all guess where we're going to? Luke, Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 6, that's right. And so we are going to be wrapping up today our series uh, that we've been, been going through. It's kind of like a, a bit of a mini-series um, in, um, in the Gospel of Luke going through the Sermon on the Plain. So today we're going to be wrapping that up. And so if you have it, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. And if you would stand with me in honor of God's word... If you can't find Luke, it's all good. No shame, no issue. It will be on the screens. Luke 6, verse 46 through 49. Here's the reading of the word of God. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had not been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, I thank you and I praise you for your word, God. I pray that today... You would help us and teach us and call us to yourself and invite us to build a firm foundation on you, on Christ, who is the foundation. So be with us and speak to us today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. I would like to speak to us for just a few minutes today from the thought, an invitation to foundational fortitude, an invitation to foundational fortitude. I just got done dedicating Little Langston, and we had, had the girls up there in Carleton, and um, as we was doing the dedication, I'm always thinking about, uh, I remember when Monique was pregnant with the twins, with Maya and Nia, uh, it was just like a hectic time, obviously, find out we're having twins, but it was also a hectic time uh, because we realized really quickly when we went to the uh, doctor and got that first ultrasound, we realized real fast that we needed bigger space. We was living in an apartment, and uh, at the time, it was just me, Monique, and Carleton, that was cool. We found out we was finna double up real quick, so we needed to buy a house. Um, and so, a uh, fun fact about me, I am not um, a very handy person with a hammer and tools and all those things. I'm much more akin to Tim the Two-Man Taylor, if you remember the show Home Improvement. I think I can fix stuff, but not really. Um, not terribly good at it, but there's this companion, a close friend of mine, um, that helps me with these things. His name is YouTube. Um, and so... <laughs> 
Call up my friend YouTube. I can find out all kinds of stuff. If me and YouTube can't get it done, uh, then we go ahead and we make some other moves. Uh, but anywho, I'm getting ready to get this house, and y'all know what comes with buying a house. And that's this beautiful thing in St. Louis called inspections. That's right, inspections. And so because I wasn't terribly handy, um, some brothers from the church who were really handy helped me out, um, and they came by and helped us to get ready for all the you know preparations and things for the inspection. And so we got it all ready, and the inspector came that day, and I was shooketh. I was terrified because what I failed to mention is that Monique, the day we closed on this house, Monique uh, was due after we closed about a week after. Um, so she was super duper pregnant. These girls could have came at any moment. I needed all things to go well because I had to put these people somewhere, okay? So we're going through, we're doing inspections, and uh, the inspector, he's going through, and he's going through with a fine tooth cone. I'm like, hey, bro, please. I told him. I'm like, hey, bro, don't find no problems, okay? Like, <laughs> I got a super pregnant wife. I just need to, everything to be okay, okay? Like, and I'll never forget what this brother told me. He said, listen, brother, I'm not, I'm not here to make your life difficult. And I'm like, you, your posture feel like it is. Uh, you just feel nitpicky today. He's like, I'm not trying to make your life difficult. But he said, there are certain things I can't gloss over because I know you want to get your family in a house, but my job is to make sure you get your family in a house safely. And he said, there's some things, he was like, I ain't going to try to be extra tough on you, but there's some things I can't gloss over. And he talked about the importance of electrical as he went through and he checked every single outlet and he checked all these different aspects of the home and the structure. But then he went, began to go in the basement. He said, one of the most important things about your house is the foundation. And I said, well, it all looks good to me. He said, well, to the naked eye, it may look good, but I got to make sure that it's not leaking because if your foundation is shifting or it's leaking or it's cracked, it can cost you a lot of money in the long term. And you don't want this house. I know you want to get them somewhere, but you don't want this house if the foundation isn't solid. He said, in fact, if your foundation isn't solid, you will see cracks going up the side of your wall. If your foundation isn't solid, you might get leaks and floods will tear your basement up. If your foundation isn't solid, your house will start to shift and it can even begin to sink into the ground if it's not solid. He says, I don't want you to move into a house that does not have a solid foundation because it can cost you a whole lot in the long run. And he ended up doing a foundation check and everything, praise God, was fine. And this morning, Jesus comes to us in as he wraps up the Sermon on the Plain, and he asks a question to give us a foundation check. And he wants to say to us today and remind us that as we look around the house, the building that is our lives, that our, he wants us to inspect it for cracks, for leaks, for shifting, because oftentimes Jesus is calling us to examine our life. And if we're not careful, we're blaming stuff on the devil and spiritual warfare. And it's actually the fact that we haven't built on a solid foundation. Yeah, the truth of the matter is, is that many of us, if we examine our life, and you don't have to say anything out loud, you ain't even got to say amen. You can just think about it in your mind. I can't hear it. Uh, but if we look at our life and we check our foundation, we're seeing those cracks in our life. We're seeing those leaks in the foundational relationships. We are seeing things shifting. And the Lord is saying to us, what have you actually really built your life on? And Jesus starts the foundational check with a question. Now, I'm going to give you an, inter an important hermeneutical interpretive lens through which to read the Bible. Anytime you're reading your Bible and God starts asking questions, you need to listen up real closely. 
Because God is never asking a question because he is confused. God is never asking a question because he doesn't know. He is asking a question because he wants us to take a minute and sit and think about what he wants, what he already knows and what he's trying to get us to understand. Jesus asks what I believe is one of the most terrifying questions in all of scripture. This question is terrifying. It's terrifying when he says it in Matthew 7. It just got me shook. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? And I said, Jesus, that's a great question. And it's a frightening one. In other words, Jesus is saying, well, I want you to look at this. Um, and I want you to ask yourself, you're running around telling folks that I'm your Lord. In fact, you have told yourself that I'm your Lord. You know what Lord means? It means that I have ownership, exclusive rights over you. And when I tell you to do something, you do it. And he says, you're calling me Lord, Lord. You're saying all this, but you actually just playing in my face because you're not doing what I tell you to do. And today, I would like to present to us that many of us are struggling in life, stressed out, have anxiety, we're in debt, our relationships are messed up, and we're blaming it on spiritual warfare and Satan, and Satan ain't thinking about you. It's because you are not doing the word of God. The scripture speaks about this in many places. In James 1, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving, check this out, yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. Romans chapter 6 says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Check this out. Let me, let, let me say this to you. Um, Jesus is saying here, at the end of the day, your Lord is who you listen to. It, it doesn't matter whether or not you got a scripture in your Instagram bio, really. It, it doesn't matter if you come to church and you listen to the word and you podcast the word and you read the word. Jesus is saying all that is really good. He says in verse 46, I want you to do the word. And this word, I'm not going to nerd out too bad on it, but the word do is this particular part of speech. Um, Y'all ever heard of a verb? Um, that's what it is. It means you, it's, it's an action word. You have to do something. Um, you do the word or another way to put it, you practice the word, and the sense of the word is that it's something you do continually, that you practice the word, that you rehearse the word, that you put the word into action, that you practice it habitually when you feel like it and when you do not. You do the word and you practice the word because you want to live the word and be obedient to the word. This word, practice, Alan Iverson hated this word. He didn't even want to talk about this word. He said, you talking about practice, if you know what I'm talking about, it's all good. If you don't, Google it Later. You're talking about practice. I'm, I'm sitting here right now and you want to talk to me about practice. And a lot of us are just Allen Iverson Christians because Jesus is saying, I'm not just asking you to come and listen to a sermon. I want your life to be a sermon. I want you to practice what you're listening and preaching about. You know, fun fact, 
Um, I spend a lot of time talking to a lot of people about a lot of things. I talk to a lot of people who are wrestling with their faith, questioning their faith. And, you know, I ain't talked to everybody in the world, so I don't claim to have some type of exhaustive knowledge of anything. Um, but I talk to a lot of people. Let me tell you what ain't never happened to me yet with people who have either walked away from the faith, don't want to be bothered with the faith, questioning, wrestling on the fence or otherwise. I ain't never heard of had a person sit in my office and say, Carlos, the reason why I have walked away from Christianity or I'm wrestling with it or questioning it is because Christians just be listening to sermons. Nobody has ever said that. Like, I'm so sick of Christians just reading the Bible. Just get on my nerves. They just sit there and they just be having it open with highlighters. It's just, ah, I can't take it. Haven't had that happen yet. You want to know what I have had happen over and over and over and over again, though? I don't know if I want to be a Christian anymore because Christians are not practicing what they're preaching. Christians are not doing and living according to what they say they believe. Mahatma Gandhi said, I really love your Christ. I like Jesus, but I really despise you Christians. And he was a Hindu. Here's the reality. Many of us, nobody will get us in trouble. Nobody's worried about what you podcasting and listening to when you go on, on your prayer walks. But the way we live our life is, is, is a mirror of what we actually believe. And there are many who have wrestled with the faith because we don't live what we say we believe. And so Jesus is saying, I want you to bring closer. I don't want you to just listen to the word. I want you to do the word. Um, I don't want you to just hear the word. That's cool. I want you to practice the word. And Jesus paints this illustration of a man who is seeking to build a house and lay it on a found on a firm foundation. Uh, but may I pr pr just kind of put before you as a consideration that many of us don't want to live in a house with a foundation at all. Is why we've walked away from it. You see, some of us are not interested in being founded on a foundation because a foundation feels too limiting. You see, a foundation keeps you from moving. You see, if you are founded on a foundation, by design, your house stays where it is against all odds. And some of us, I would like to present to us um, that we have chosen to walk away from Jesus because we believe that being rooted and grounded in one place feels too limiting and constricting. And so we have walked away from the foundation, and we actually want to live in a mobile home. We want something that is a little more movable, something that's a little more portable, not even a mobile home. We want to live in an RV. We want to go from place to place, and when we're done being there, we want to pack up and drive off somewhere else. The trouble with that type of transient living is that you're never really home. The other issue with it is that when a storm comes, your RV is going to float away. The reality is, is that many of us have confused movement with freedom. You see, we think if we can move, then we're free. And so we don't want to be grounded in Christ because we want to move with the tides of the world. And let me tell you something, just because something can move doesn't mean that it's free. It may be free, but you can move, you can be free, and you can also be dead with no purpose. Kind of like a tumbleweed. Have you ever seen one? You see, a tumbleweed moves wherever it wants. It moves wherever the wind blows. Do you know what a tumbleweed is made up of? Dead plants, roots, dust, and trash. In fact, it's made up of the very things that it's rolling around in. And it's free to move. But you know what is not like a tumbleweed? A oak tree 
planted by the rivers of water that does not move, but is rooted, grounded, nourished, and it has a purpose and it bears fruit. And Jesus is saying, I'm setting before you the way of wisdom and the way of foolishness. You can be free and you can move wherever you want. But what Jesus promises is that the storms of life will boil you over and you won't be able to survive. Or you can be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and have a purpose and bring forth fruit to God's glory. At the end of the day, it's an invitation. Jesus is saying, I want you to build your life on something and something that is not transient, it's not flippant, but it's something that is intentional, that has the proper location, quality materials, and a reliable blueprint. And so, I'm going to examine Jesus' parable here um, by asking three questions. I'm trying to make a case for you, by the way. Um, I'm trying to make the case for you that you should build your entire life on the foundations and the teachings, the principles, and ultimately the purpose of Jesus Christ. Now, look, at the end of the day, you grown. Do what you're going to do. I ain't going to fight with you, okay? But I'm going to try to make the case today that Jesus Christ is the place where you want to found yourself. And I'm just going to answer three questions today. They're easy peasy questions. You want to know what they are? I'm going to give you the questions and then we're going to talk about them. I'm going to seek to answer these questions. Why you should build your foundation on Christ. I'm going to try to answer the question how you should build your foundation on Christ. Then I'm going to try to answer the question who should be building their foundation on Christ. Why? How? Who? Sound good? Good basic question. Ain't too hard. Go ahead, write them down. They're going to be up on the screens for you. But why should you build your foundation on Christ? I've already showed you my hands. I think is a good idea. Carlos, why do you think is a good idea? Is it just because you're a preacher and it's your job to tell me that's a good idea? No. Um, that happens to be true, by the way. I am a preacher, if you were confused. Um, but I actually have reasons for why I think this is a good idea, not just for you, but for me too. Um, so here's the answer. Why should you build your foundation on Christ? And I believe it's in the text. The answer is this. Be because the floods are coming. Why, why should you build your house on the foundation of Christ? Because the floods are coming. Look at verse 48. It says, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Have you ever heard or experienced a flood? We had some very devastating ones in, here in New City a couple years ago that the city is still reeling and recovering from. A flood is a powerful destruction force that is completely out of your control. You see, a flood causes devastation, destruction, and loss. A flood, even if you are Michael Phelps, if a current that is strong enough comes against you and pushes against you, it will sweep you and pull you under. A, a flood is terrifying because you can't predict it, you can't control it, and you can't defend against it. And this is exactly what life feels like when it starts lifing. Life and the problems and the challenges and the ups and downs and the vicissitudes and all the things that come with it can feel like a flood that sweeps over your head. And I would like to submit to you that Jesus is the answer because he can help to defend you when the flood's coming. And there's a word I want to hone in on there in the second part of verse 48. Notice what he says. He said, when a flood arose. He didn't say if. He didn't say if 
a flood arises. He says when the flood arises, when the flood is coming. Because I know some of y'all listening to me right now, and y'all like, those, I don't know what you're talking about. My life is good, baby. I'm healthy. I feel good. My knees feel good. My portfolio is performing well. Despite the inflation and all these things, look, gas prices almost $3 a gallon. I never thought I would shout over $3 a gallon gas, by the way. But here we are. Los, I'm doing all right. My marriage is straight. My health is good. I look good. I feel good. I'm just good. What are you talking about, these floods of life? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the flood, if it has not hit your life yet, it is on its way. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. You know, <clears throat> I, um, you know, fun fact, I like wrote a dissertation, got a t- doctoral degree and all that stuff. And, I, and my dissertation topic was the image of God and cognitive disabilities. And the things that I looked at was uh, cognitive disabilities and how they function at the inception of life, the duration of life, and then onset of cognitive disabilities at the end of life, things like Alzheimer and things like that. I drew many conclusions in three years of looking at the same scriptures and thinking about the same topic a lot. Uh, but one of the conclusions that I drew um, and that I found is that the idea of Wholeness and shalom and complete wellness is temporary. At some point, all of us have been under the care of others or will be. You see, the idea that all of us are doing good, and this is why, friends, we have to be careful how we treat the disabled and the vulnerable and those with disability among us, because if we haven't experienced it yet, should the Lord Jesus Christ tarry and we keep on living, you're going to. And what I have learned is that when it comes to challenges, comes to sickness, think about Lazarus for a minute. Do you realize that Jesus resurrected this man from the dead and he died again? (laughs) Have you just ever thought about it, that he's not still here? Jesus resurrected. So that means that God can heal you and you don't get a whole lot more healed than being raised from the dead. And he died again. That means he got sick at minimal old again and died. Here's the point. It's not a matter of when the challenges are going to come or a matter of if the challenges are going to come and if things are going to turn south or if you're going to have relational struggles or if you're going to have challenges in your marriage. It's just a matter of when. And this brings me to my second point, my second answer. Not only do I think you should be uh, building your house on Christ because the floods are coming, but this is my second answer is because Jesus is the only thing strong enough to stand up against it when they do come. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my point. I told you, I'm making a case. I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. And Jesus, I believe, is the only thing strong enough um, because everything else that we hold up against the storms of life will fold like wet, wet tissue in the face of the challenge. Materialism, you've tried it before, it will fold under the pressures of life. Those of us who got a little resources, you done took all the trips, you done bought all the things, you go to the Louis V store, you be down at Plaza Frontenac making it rain, you doing good. You be going in, you find, you getting flued out, you getting, you fluding them out, all of that. And what you find with your materialism is that when you done bought all the things, you're still empty. Hedonism, pleasure pursuit. You done slept with all of them. You done been out in the streets. You done did all the things. You done had all the baddest ones on IG without a filter. You done did all of that. And yet, after you done did it all, you done smoked it all, you done shot it all, you done snorted it all, you find out that you're still empty. 
Some of y'all are listening to me. Well, Carlos, I don't, I'm not into materialism. I'm a generous person. I'm a good person. But I'm just, I just believe in naturalism and humanism and that I, I'm not a bad person. This, I try to pursue the common good. But what we find is that even in the middle of our humanism and our naturalism, our heart still yearns for the transcendent because Christ has placed in our hearts eternity. And no matter how much we deny him, we cannot deny the reality that we feel there has to be more. Every other thing will fold under the weight of your humanity except for Jesus. You see, only the teachings of Jesus correspond to reality as it actually is, teaches us about ourselves as we actually are, and reveals God to us as he truly is. Everything else falls woefully short. Not only does it fall woefully short, it actually is not a foundation at all, according to this text. So now check this out. Listen, look at what Jesus, his, his, the contention that he's making from this text. Not only does it fall short, it's just not a foundation. Look, look at the text if you don't believe me. Look at verse 48. The wise man, and Matthew tells us that this is a parable, like a proverb of wise and foolishness, kind of like we've seen in the book of Proverbs. The wise man, in verse 48, says that he builds his house and he dug deep and laid a foundation. Look at verse 49 really carefully. But the one who hears and doesn't do them, the foolish man, is like a man who builds a house on the ground, check this out, without a foundation. So it's not only that these other things are just alternative foundations that are weak. According to this scripture, they are actually so flimsy, so light, so non-helpful that it's as good as having nothing at all. It is like folding, founding your house on a stack of paper towels and expecting it to survive a thunderstorm. Jesus says these other things that, that, that masquerade as foundations, that masquerade as answers, are not answers at all. They are only things to serve at best to put a Band-Aid and to medicate our experience with reality, and at worst are damnable things that estrange us from God. He says the only thing that is a foundation is Christ the solid rock, because everything else will be blown away. You know, so, uh, you know, I was reading this, made me think about, Time I was down in uh, I was down in Ozarks. I was doing what people do in the Ozarks. I found out in between services that I need to qualify that because people be doing some wild stuff in the Ozarks. Okay, I was I meant family vacation. They was like, "What was you doing down there?" I'm like, I was on vacation with my kids. What you thought I meant? And they told me I'm like, "Oh Lord!" So I got to clean up some stuff the first service. They thought I was wilding. I was on family trip. Okay, <laughs> like me me and my children. Okay, I, I just seen I got four of them. I got 50, 11 kids out here. I took them to Ozarks. Okay, but we was down there uh, and we was having a grand old time just going around doing. And fun stuff down in the Ozarks. Um, and so one thing you should know about me, I've said this regularly, repeatedly from the pulpit because I want to protect myself. I am afraid of heights. I don't do heights. I don't do tall bridges. I don't do tall ladders. I don't do tall buildings. I feel if God wanted me in the air, he would have made me a bird. He didn't give me wings. He put me here. Um, if you ever hear that, man, Pastor Lowe's had a tragic death. Out, he was skydiving and he, his parachute didn't open. They killed me. I don't know who they is. <laughs> I ain't jumping out no planes. Not going to do it. Why? I can just stay in it and fly and look and be like, wow, that's crazy, and be done with it. I ain't going to jump out of it. I don't need to thrill. If I want to thrill, I'll eat a donut and get myself a dopamine, dopamine hit. Jumping out of an airplane for a dopamine hit sounds insane to me, but that's just me, though. Anyhow, here's what this got to do with me being in the Ozarks. So I'm in the Ozarks, and if you know anything about the Ozarks, I didn't notice until I got down there that the lake of the Ozarks is a man-made lake. Didn't know that 
fascinating. I'm like, that is unbelievable. I can't even fix my water faucet. And these people figured out how to build a dam and make a lake. This is, un I'm, human ingenuity is mind blowing to me. But anyhow, I told you I'm scared of heights. I don't do tall bridges. But here I am in the Ozarks, not knowing where the heck I'm going. And so I'm driving and I realize I can't turn around. And now I look up and now I'm on top of the Bagnell Dam, which is the big dam that makes the lake of the Ozarks. Do y'all know how tall that thing is? And so my wife, who knows I'm terrified of heights, I'm trying to act like I'm okay because I'm the man, right? I got to keep it all together. I'm shook, okay? Because I just look over. I'm like, oh my God. So I'm trying. And it's like a narrow two-lane thing. And I mean, I'm, I'm doing like 12 miles an hour. I'm just like, I don't know whether to go fast, slow, stop. My problem is, is that my brain is just replaying me falling off in the, the, the lake. I'm just like, oh my God, Monique, like, you okay, just go ahead, just breathe, just see each other, because she don't want me to pass out and faint, and then we see each other, oh, it's okay, you know. So I'm driving across this dam, and I'm terrified because I'm like, how did I get way, I didn't even know I was up here, and here I am up here. And then, you know, when I got over it and my blood pressure came down and everything, got a chance to read about the dam, the Bagnell Dam there in the Ozarks that impounds the Osage River. And what I found out was that there are many types of dams that they can build. But this dam is unique because it is a gravity type dam. And what that means is that it actually doesn't have reinforcements and all these other things outside of it. It is actually because of how massive it is and how heavy it is, it has enough strength and contrary force to stop the entire river and make a lake so that no matter whether it storms, no matter whether it rains, no matter whether there's pressure, the dam still holds. And if you ain't figured out what this got to do with Jesus yet, you need something that is strong enough in itself, that is heavy enough in itself, that it can hold up against whatever pressures the world may throw at you. In Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what is pushing against you, what life throws at you, he has enough weight in in himself to push back on it without breaking. And that is where you need to found your life. And so you should build your foundation on Christ. That's my argument because the storms are coming and Jesus is the only thing that's strong enough to hold you up. But how should you build it? Um, the answer is in verse 48. Look at this. He is like a man building a house. Check this out. Who dug and laid the foundation. How do you build your foundation on Christ? I would like to submit to you that the way you do it, how you build your foundation is by digging deep. Uh, have you ever dug a hole before? I, I did this before on a couple of mission trips I was on with kids. Have you just ever dug a hole? Do you know how sweaty that makes you? How much energy it takes? Do you know how much effort is put forth? I was dirty. I had dirt all in my hands. It took a much longer time. I thought there was other ways to go about it. But you have to dig in and you have to get dirty in order to dig a deep hole and to dig a foundation deep enough. You have to go very deep down, especially if you plan to go very high up on a floodplain. And so you have to dig deep. I would like to submit to you that this picture of digging deep is actually a picture of discipleship. That discipleship is not something that you can microwave, it's not something that you can air fry, but it's something you got to slow cook and it takes a long time. Now I can tell by the way y'all looking at me that y'all don't believe that this digging deep is a picture of discipleship, but I would like to try to prove it from the Bible real quick that it is. And it comes from a famous passage in Matthew 28, 18. Y'all know the Great Commission. And check this out. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Check this out. Teaching them to observe 
all that I have commanded. In other words, teaching them, discipling them to do my word, not just listen to it, not just hear it, not just listen to podcasts, but to do it. And can we talk about the reality and what is true for a minute? Actually doing Jesus' words is difficult. Um, If you have caught one and a half of the sermons that I have preached through the Sermon on the Plain, you know that to actually live the Christian life, it sounds warm and fluffy. It is hard. because. And if it was easy, let's just be honest, if it was easy, more people would do it, right? But, I mean, think about this. Doesn't it sound all warm and gooey? Love your enemies. Don't that sound good? Until you got an enemy, right? Until you, like, actually hate that person. It's just me. I'm the only one. Like, like until you actually got some issues, until this part, sl- turn the other cheek. Sounds great. Until you get smacked. And now you got a decision to make. And now you're trying to figure out, am I going to be Jesus or am I going to be Toby? Who am I going to be right now? It's hard. If, if doing the words of Jesus was simple and easy, more of us would do the words of Jesus. Here's the reality. It takes deep digging. It takes discipleship. It takes years. It takes patience. It takes life on life. It takes commitment. It takes dealing with the ups and the downs and the tosses and the turns and the failures and the triumphs. Digging in to become a disciple of Jesus takes a lot of effort. You know, I, um, I've been thinking about this, and y'all do know, we got this whole, we just did announcements. Y'all know our, our mission statement, right? Y'all already said it. Remember, plant, say it with me, root, grow. Multiply. That's our mission statement. It really is just discipleship, y'all. Sorry to tell you. Sound cool. We even did little icons, make it cute. It's just discipleship. We want you to get planted in relationship with Jesus. We want you to root in relationships with one another. We want you to grow in discipleship, and we want you to bring forth fruit. It's just discipleship. But listen, here's what we know. It does not happen by osmosis. That we as a people have to facilitate our growth and development and discipleship. So this is why we got things like Grow Night. That's right. We don't come out just to eat soul food sides, even though that's a big motivation. I don't know if y'all was here last Wednesday, but Lord, when I say like sparkle, in in my culture, we would say she put her foot in it. I explain later if y'all know what I'm talking about. But look, look, we don't come out just to eat. We come out because we're trying to grow in discipleship. We don't go, this is the reason why we, we've been doing this thing. So it's been me, Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Kyle, Pastor Bryce, Minister Charleston Stubblefield. Um, we've been writing a curriculum for our grow groups that are launching in January. And these are like, these are deep dive discipleship groups that we are launching. They are two-year commitments, but they are taking you through the whole counsel of God. If you want to hear more about it, you can talk to me. Talk to Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Kyle. We've literally uh, been writing curriculum for the last few months. They Now they might have you start talking about curriculum right now, they might have a little PTSD because it's been intense, uh, but they've been throwing down. Y'all are going to love what they've been doing. But the reason why we have taken it upon ourselves to write something and to build something is because we know that in order to grow in the faith as God has called us, we've got to take a deep dive. And so we as a church want to facilitate that. Now, I can hear what some of y'all are thinking. It, says, it sounds like, Carlos, you're saying if I want to experience um, putting my foundation in Christ, like I just got to work harder and do more and do the word of God. I want to go back to that dam that I was terrified to drive across. Um, now, y'all want to know what else is fascinating about it? The more I learned about this dam after I almost had, had my, my, my out-of-body experience upon it, um, the more it fascinated me. Because what I found out is that the dam actually is an electric dam and it generates power. 
that the dam itself, while it is holding back water, is holding back water to generate energy for the community around it. And it just made me thinking about Jesus because that's exactly what Jesus does in our discipleship and as he holds back the waves and the, the storms of life, that even as they are crashing against him, he is using it for our good and to energize our pursuit of him. And so when I'm talking about discipleship, it isn't just about do more. It's about allowing the power of Christ to flow through you as you pursue after him. You see, Jesus, Jesus will never call us to do something that he doesn't empower us to do. If he calls us to pursue after him, if he calls us to dig a deep foundation, if he calls us into deeper relationship with him, he is going to empower us by his spirit to get it done. And so I'm pretty much done. I answered my questions why you should build your foundation on Christ. The storms are coming. Only Jesus is strong enough to stand up against it. Okay. Well, how should you build your foundation in Christ? By digging deep in discipleship, and we're seeking to facilitate and be a church where you can do that. But now my last question is who should build their foundation on Christ? Verse 47 answers the question, everyone. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose and the stream broke against that house, it couldn't shake it because it had been well built. There are no exclusions. There's no one who is shut out. Everyone can come to Christ and build on this foundation. It doesn't matter if you are a person who's been in church your whole life and you realize, hey, I've been in church, but church ain't been nowhere near me. I ain't been living like it. I've been here. I've been listening a lot. But boy, I ain't been living a whole lot. Jesus says, everyone can come. You may say, I don't know a whole lot about Jesus at all. But man, I want to build my life on something solid, not something transient. Maybe you're a person who was like super in church and loving Jesus and walking with the Lord. You walked away. You was one of the people who said, I don't want a foundation no more. Jesus says, it's all love. I'm still here. Everyone can come. And especially those who may have walked away from that foundation or given up on that foundation. Jesus says, listen, you can still rebuild. So what you walked away? I haven't moved. I'm still the rock. I'm still here. I'm still the one where you can build and you can find your life solid. You don't have to be out here blowing in the wind. You can come and you can rebuild your life on my words and on my person. And it ain't hard, it ain't difficult, it ain't complex. Look at verse 47. Come to Jesus, hear his words, do his words. I already told you he empowers you to do it. You know, my, uh, my pastor, my, uh, my, my first, uh, not Pastor Stubblefield, my first pastor who I had preached my first sermon under, he was a guy by the name of Pastor Stubblefield. He's still, I'm sorry, not Pastor Stubblefield, uh, Pastor Merriweather. Um, he, uh, pastor Merriweather, he was a guy who, I remember when I first went to his church, uh, he it was a small church. I mean, on a great Sunday, we maybe had like 40 or 50 people. Small church. And I was there with him, and I assisted him for my first year before I came to St. Louis. And uh, Pastor Merriweather, he was, a, um, he was a social worker by trade, so he had a bachelor's degree, but he didn't have any theological training. Um, and he used to always tell me, he, he's just such a big personality, you have to know him. He would always say to me, Carlos, you smart people always make stuff too complicated. He would always say, you smart people always make stuff too complicated. He, when I was going through my doctoral stuff, I'd tell him what I was studying about. He'd go, ah, you smart people always make stuff too complicated. 
One time he was, uh, we were talking and he was messing with me. It was around Advent time. It was around the season of the year. It was while I was assisting him and helping him um, at the church in Indiana. He asked me a question. He said, Carlos, what made the wise man wise? And I said, uh, I don't know, you know, doing exactly what he said, making stuff complicated. Yeah, I was like, well, you know, because I'm going to be a seminary soon. I was like, well, you know, the, the wise men were probably Zoroastrian philosophers and astrologers and had probably seen the star in the east and had been exposed to uh, Jewish scriptures back around the exile in 586. He's like, no, nah, man. He said, what made the wise men wise is that they came to Jesus. That's it. And child of God, it don't matter where you've been, ups and downs, this and that, whoever you are. Don't be one of the smart people that make it too complicated. It ain't complicated. All you got to do is come to Jesus, hear his words, and respond to his words, and live in light of his words. And his words are that he has given everything for you, and you are welcome in his kingdom, and that he is going to keep every one of his promises through the cross. Let me pray for you. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that you don't make it too complicated. God, you just invite us to come to you. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. Father, thank you that you are the firm foundation that will stand up against everything. No matter what the world throws at us, God, you will stand up and hold up against everything. Father, help us to trust in that. Help us to trust in you. Help us to trust in your finished work upon the cross. God, I pray that you will be with us. God, I pray for every person who's under the sound of my voice. God, especially for those who may have walked away from their faith. God, I pray that you will give us strength to rebuild what we have torn down and to come back to you. So in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I would ask, we're going to worship for a little bit. We're going to sing a song. I would ask that you stand together as we worship. If you need prayer for anything, we'll have brothers and sisters, our response team here, who can pray with you and for you. No matter what you are wrestling with, no matter where you are, if you need prayer, we'll have brothers and sisters down here who can pray with you and walk with you. But you don't have to bear that burden alone. You can come and you can experience grace and you can lay those burdens before the Lord. So we're going to worship together. I invite you, if you desire, come receive prayer. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.